Amen. Uh, those were sweet words that old Colin said before he sang that last song, wasn't it? Y'all want to hear a funny story? Y'all want to hear a funny story? Okay. Everybody awake? Colin usually cuts the grass on, Thursday, on Fridays, but he was up here Thursday, and uh, I, I heard him go right in front of my office, and I heard the engine cut off. And I looked out, and, and he was looking and looking, so I walked out and looked, and he said, I, I've got to leave the lawnmower right here. The, the belt just snapped. And it wasn't his lawnmower. It was his granddaddy's lawnmower. See him back there in the back? So Colin calls granddaddy, and, and granddaddy comes up here, and he's got the manual because that's what older people do. We buy the product and have the manual, right? And he was looking through. We had to push that dude up on the trailer. I mean, it was heavy. And if I wouldn't have been there, they couldn't have done it. So we get it loaded, and Colin goes to get the, other, the, the, the newer lawnmower, and Amy comes to pick me up, and I pull right beside Colin, and I said, look here. I said, I had just gotten it out of my mouth. I said, don't you break the belt on this lawnmower. He engages it. Pop! Where's Colin? Look at Colin. Look at him. You re- Why is your face turning red, man? Bring him back good. Now, Colin did not cuss. I was sitting right there. He did not cuss. Gary, he didn't cuss, but he Christian cussed. Y'all know what that means, right? He took his hat off and he slammed it on the ground. I, I think the, y'all, did you have to push mow it? Okay, just checking, just checking. But it was, it was, it wasn't funny to him, but it was funny to me. Bad day. But you see, God's good. I mean, he, he was able to come up here and smile and it was, it, it turned into a good day. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. First John, first John, not John, first John. First John. Last week as we looked at Isaiah 24, we came to realize that Isaiah the prophet was writing of a time to come that he himself would never see. We came to realize that this prophet who walked with God saw what would take place in the end times. And and listen, church, that ought to just blow our minds as we read through Old Testament prophecy, things that were written 2,500 years ago, if not longer, that what they were prophesying, what God allowed them to see, we're now seeing take place in the world we live in. That ought to be mind-blowing to us. That God gave us, he gave us a warning, but he gave the prophets a foresight to see and to let us know what was going to take place in the end times. As Isaiah's prophecy in, in chapter 24 unfolded, we saw two groups of people in the prophecy. The first group were those who were going to not only live through the tribulation, they would face every aspect of the destruction and continue to deny Jesus as the Son of God. These people may see exceedingly small windows of peace and tranquility, but the majority of their existence through seven years will be absolute turmoil on a daily basis. Do you think what we've been going through for the past three, four months? During the seven years tribulation, we know that there's seven seal judgments, seven bowl judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and and seven thunder judgments that we know nothing about. That is 28 mass destruction devastations that are going to take place in a seven-year period of time. Anybody want to live through that? Not me. I'm going to be saved. I'm gone. I've had enough of this. I mean, I've just lived, Shonda, I've just lived four months through this, you know, junk. I don't want to live through 28 unbelievable devastations that I don't know exactly what's going to take place. 
We then saw a second group of people who were known as the remnant in our scripture last week. These people were seen in the midst of uh, devastation, not screaming or crying. This group was singing unto the Lord a song that could not be taken from them. This group would be stripped of everything they possessed in this world. But this song, this song could not be taken, nor would not ever be taken from them. Now last week I implored you to find such a song to sing. Not if times, but when times get tough in your life. Is there anybody in here, anybody over the internet watching the live stream, is there anybody here who has not gone through some tough times? Anybody? Now, I mean, if we did a comparison and I told Cameron, look, this is what I've lived through and and, and Cameron told me what he's lived through, his tough times are going to seem like a cakewalk to me, right? But all of us have lived through tough times. We need a song to sing in the midst of tough times. Amen, church? And if you don't have a song... I hope you find a song. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, when my song was playing Almost Home by Mercy Me, I, I, I heard this voice over, to, to my, over my, my right shoulder singing because I guess it's Deborah's song too. I, I just don't know. But find a song to sing in the midst of turmoil. Now, today we're going to revisit some scripture that we've been studying on Sunday nights. And it's been a while, hasn't it, church? It's been a long day. It's been a while since I've seen some of y'all here on Sunday night. But it's, it's been a while. Now, look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 15. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. And John records, he says this. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Ooh. Let's, read, let's read verse 15 again. John says, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Because everything that belongs to the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with all its lust is passing away, but the one who loves God will remain forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this scripture. We thank you for your word. We thank you for for John and why he's writing this scripture. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us right now. Pray that you would still us. Help us, God, to to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. Help us, Lord, to truly, truly want to hear a word from you that we might be better Christians for you, not only today but every day, that we might be able to serve you and serve others, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, amen. We need to remember here that the Apostle John is writing this book because of so many of the early believers were very discouraged. Any of y'all ever been discouraged in your Christian walk? Any, any of y'all, have, have y'all ever, you know, you, you've just found your place, uh, you, you, you realize, you know, Steve talked about it a little bit ago, Steve, you just about preached my message, brother, I appreciate it, once again. But you know what God saved you from, and you look at your current con- spiritual condition, and you realize you are not what you ought to be, and you find yourself spiritually 
discouraged. Well, he, that's what John is writing this book for. So listen, if there is ever a time that you need you know, to, to read, to, to get through discouragement, 1 John is a book that you need to read. Now, these Christians that John's writing to, they were fleeing constant persecution from the Romans and the Jews. Not just one group of people was after them, but two. The constant persecution started weighing heavy on the early believers, and many were leaving the church. But there were those who were leaving the church for other reasons as well. That they wanted more than what they were receiving from Christianity. That they must have fallen prey to the health, wealth, and prosperity preaching of that day as we have it in our day. And when things got rough, they were out the door as fast as they came in. Does that sound familiar? I, I know so many, so many people who are professed Christians that, that when things get tough, when things get rough, they, they make the comment, well, I didn't sign up for this. I lost my job, I lost my wife, I lost, I lost everything, and I lost all my faith in God. Well, you know, I, I tell you what, I would put up anything that you've lost compared to the early Christians and what they lost. I really would. I mean, nobody likes loss. Nobody wants loss. Everybody, you know, when loss comes or, or when we fail, we, there, there, it's, it's a time of grieving and we question God and God doesn't mind us questioning him. He minds us when we lose all faith in him. That should never happen. God, he minds it when we turn our back and we walk completely away from him. And church, I've known so many people who've professed with their mouth, something's happened and they've walked away. I've got a close friend, family, uh, family member who, who lost a family member. And since that family member died, they have just never gone back to church. They've never, just they're mad with God. And to me, listen, I, I don't understand that. Death should be one of the most natural things that takes place in a Christian's life. Now, we, we, not, we might not wake up every morning and say, boy, I hope I die today. No, I'm, but listen, when death comes, as Christians, as believers, we ought to be excited. We ought to be excited for those who are standing in the presence of God, a place that we say we long to be. So what does our scripture tell us this morning? How, how does it encourage us? Now, I, I want to tell you this before I get into it. We're going to be discouraged a little more before we get encouraged, okay? That's usually how it works. It, John, I think John, it sounds like John was in the military, Dan. He beats you down. Man, he beats you down, and then he lifts you up. So, so we have to, uh, just a little bit of beat down, but he's, we're, we're, we're going to be lifted up. So y'all stay with me. Y'all don't go to sleep. Y'all on the Internet don't go to sleep. So what does our Scripture tell us this morning? If you look at the heading above this morning's scripture. Now, I'm not sure what your Bible says, but mine says a warning about the world. Miss Desi, is that what yours says? It says a warning about the world. Is that what, pretty much what yours says? So look, you know, we, we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention here. What we have here is the Word of God giving us a warning of what the world is all about. And it seems like there's some people who don't have a clue what the world's all about. It really does. But this has given us a warning about the world, what the world's all about. What it has always been since Adam. And what it can, can do to even believers if we're not wise enough to pay attention to our own lives. We need to, we need to pay attention. This scripture is also recorded, meaning that 
We are to use it, use this very scripture where it's applicable in teaching those who we love and those who are lost who may ask us what we think. Now, now please note that just as Jesus wants you for his very own, so does the world. Craig, the world wants you for its own. The world wants you for its own. Timmy, the world wants you for its own, and it's going to fight for you. Now, listen, uh, uh, Please know that just as Jesus wants you for his own, so does the world. And, and, the, and the world is Satan. And he will do everything, whatever it takes, to entice you away from the body of Christ. If he can lure you away, he will kill you spiritually. Any of y'all know any spiritually dead Christians? Or people who call themselves Christians who are spiritually dead? I, I do. And it's sad. One of the, the, the people in my life who would give tracts and, and vocally, vocally tell people about his love for, for the Lord is no longer walking with the Lord. Just spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. And that's what John is dealing with this morning, the death of, of spiritual Christians. We first see... In John's writing, the, the warning in verse 8. Look, look at verse 8 again. Excuse me, verse 18. Verse 18. It says, children, let, in, in the last hour, oh, excuse me, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him because everything that belongs to the world. Now, what we see here in this warning is an if-then scenario. What is John talking about here? Well, what in the world is John talking about here? How can a person have a love for the world? How in the world? Church, believe it or not, this world has a way of making you think that you need. This is going to get good. Gary, the world has a way of making you think that you need. And it makes you long for. And then it makes you lust after. Have you ever noticed that, that, that you always want something? Some of y'all right now want a cheeseburger. Right? I, you, you always want something. Cynthia, I don't know what you want. Kenny, you may not know what she want. I'll go ahead and guess you. You probably don't know what she want. But you want something. All of us, there's something in our minds. We want something. And we, we are never satisfied with what we have. We have to have something else, something new. And when we have what we want to start with, we start wanting something else. And you trick yourself into thinking that you've had this if you could only have this one thing, you would be so happy. And you are happy for about 10 minutes. <laughs> Woo, look at this, look at this, look at this. Woo, look at this. And 10 minutes later. Nope, happiness is gone. Once Colin got that belt on, 10 minutes later, he didn't care. He, he didn't care. I wonder if, if this is what we do. After we get what we want and we're happy for 10 minutes, this is what we do, Sharon. I wonder if they have this in any other colors. We get it. It's like, boy, you know, I, look at this new fishing rod. It's a blue fishing rod. I wonder if they've got it in black. 
I could really hit home with some shoes, couldn't I? Couldn't I, Mr. James? Boy, look, oh, look at these. Ooh, look, look at these. I wonder if they got these in purple. We're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. Listen, have you ever wondered why there's so many Walmart stores? Y'all know, listen, from where we're sitting right now, we've got one right up the road. We've, I mean, we've got one up, down, uh, up, up 204. I mean, they're all over Savannah. Why are there so many? I mean, y'all, y'all older people, y'all remember when y'all used to have to drive like 30 minutes to a store? Last place we live, we live 45 minutes from anything, you know, Walmart related. We had, when we first moved in there, it was, I'll never forget it. One of the deacons looked at my little girl and she was, how old was Emily? About 14. And she said, and Miriam, our daughter from Egypt, was here. She said, he said, y'all want to go to the mall? And they said, yeah, yeah, we want to go to the mall. He loaded them up the truck and, and, and took them to the convenience store. That was the mall. <laughs> Have you ever noticed why there's so many Walmart stores? How many family dollar stores? How many dollar general stores there are? Listen, the more stores they have close to people, the more people can buy compulsively. Hey, hey, Dan, what you doing? I'm just sitting around the house. What you going to be doing later on? Well, I think I'm going to walk around Dollar General. What you going to buy? I'm just going to walk around. Some of y'all are looking at me like, that's the dumbest thing. But you do it. You do it. You get bored at home. You're tired of Netflix. and You've watched it all. And you'll just go walk around stores. Y'all, I want to listen. Watch people when they put their stuff up on the belt. I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, you know that they have no reason. They'll have toothpaste, Clorox, uh, you, you know, spray paint. It's, I mean, it doesn't, they're not going for any reason. They're just going in there to buy something. Angie's back there smiling. She says, yeah, but I'm, yeah. Do you know, listen, listen to this. Y'all going to like this. Do you know why Amazon, why Amazon and other online shopping is so popular? Y'all know why it's so popular? Here's the reason. You can wake up in the middle of the dream and buy a pizza maker at 3 a.m. in the morning. You can. You can be sound asleep, dead at night, 3 a.m. in the morning. So I think I'm going to buy me a pizza maker. And you can do it. And if you pay the extra money, it can be there two days from there. It really can. The world is making you need and you don't even see it. I don't even see it a lot of times. <clears throat> but the world is making you need. Now, be very careful and pay close attention to the second part of verse, 10, verse 15. <clears throat> John says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here is a question for you, church. Do you long for the Lord the way that you long for the things of the world? Do you long for the Lord the way you long for the things of this world? Are you ever satisfied with, with, with what, what God's given you? What God has to give you? Do you long for more from Him the way you long for the wor world? Are you excited about the things of God the way you are about that new toy? Are you? Are you excited about the things of God? Now, John gives us three, three examples of what it means 
to love the world in verse 16. Y'all ready? I promise you, the beatdown is going to be over before too long, and we gonna, we, he's going to get us. He's, he's going to get us encouraged. Three things, three examples John gives us. The first is the lust, lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. Now, when I said that, and when we read it earlier, your mind immediately went somewhere, and, and you're probably, you're close to right, but you, you're probably totally wrong a little bit as well. Warren Wiersbe says this, the lust of the flesh includes anything that appeals to man's fallen nature. Not just what you thought, but anything that appeals to man's fallen nature. The flesh does not mean the body, rather it refers to the basic nature of unregenerate man that makes him blind to the spiritual truth. Flesh is nature, flesh and nature we, we receive as, uh, at our spiritual birth. Spirit in nature, we receive in our spiritual birth. In our bodies, we possess both the old nature and the new nature. The old Kyle's in there. I've told y'all. I've had days like Collins had when he broke two belts. I've had days where, where people cut me off. I've, I've had days when people say things to me that they ain't got no business saying. And Melissa, hey, Melissa, Kyle's still in there, and he wants to get out and play sometimes. He really does. The old nature and the new nature are still in here. Wearsby says this, and what a battle these two natures can fight with each other. Y'all with me? Those two natures that are inside of y'all, do y'all do y'all ever feel them, you know, fighting against each other? Go ahead, say it, man. Say it. Say it. You heard what that woman said to you. You say it. You tell tell it. Tell it. Tell it. And, and the Spirit of God saying, just shut up and walk away. This isn't worth it. Now I, I could I could use I could use that that same application related to so many things. I could really bring it home to husbands and wives, couldn't I? Do you know one of the greatest blessings the Holy Spirit's taught me in the, in the 28 years that I've been married? This is it, Steve. This is top secret FBI information. You know what the Holy Spirit's told me, Gary Page? Just shut up. I mean, that's what your wife tells you anyway, right? And I, I've learned, I've learned, not all the times, but I've learned a great majority of the time, you know, just if, if you just shut your mouth, you ain't got to shut your mouth to shut your mouth. Just shut up. Don't say anything. It's not worth it. Just look in the other direction where she can't see you. Roll your eyes and when you close them. Don't do it. Don't, listen, Colin, don't do it when your eyes are open because she'll see. But just do like this. Just close, roll, roll your eyes. See, I'm rolling my eyes. Take a deep breath and hum, hum kumbaya. Really, church? Really? The, the lust of the flesh can get us in a lot of trouble. It's man's fallen nature. And, and these two, the old man and the new man, they rage inside of us. And if we'll just don't submit, don't engage, don't engage for the right reasons. The second example John gives us is the lust of the eyes. Did you know that, that your eyes have an appetite? Did y'all know that? Your, your eyes have an appetite. Jesse, you remember when we did premarital counsel, we talked, we talked about that. The eyes have an appetite, especially with men. 
Have you ever heard the phrase, feast your eyes on this? Y'all with me? The eyes have an appetite. Feast your eyes on this. Solomon warned us about our eyes in Proverbs 27, saying, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. That's man and women. Our eyes are never satisfied. We as men should not use this as an example as a way to, to, uh, to understand the, the desires of our eyes and not give in to the desires. Solomon warned us. And John warned us. John lines this up with being of the world, being in the world, the lust of the eyes. The third example John gives us is the pride of one's lifestyle. Now, we need to understand that we can, we can take no pride in what we have or, or, or what we've accomplished. Everything we have comes from God. Everything. But y'all see it. Y'all see the people, I mean the pride that they have, and you just want to look at them, and, and th this is in love too, right? You want to look at them and say, you ain't nothing but a handful of dirt. God gave you everything you have. Don't, don't you want to do that sometimes? I, I had a family member one time tell me, they said, you, 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 you better pray that you turn out as good as, as this person he called their name. And I said, listen, if, if my daddy gave me everything, I would. That, that's pride on both parts, mine and theirs. It really is. Now, I'm not saying here, and John's not saying here, that, that we can't have things. What I'm saying is that we should never feel like we deserve the things because of what we have done. Oh, look, 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 look at this. I mean, look at all. All I've done, I deserve this. No, you don't. The only thing you truly deserve is death, hell, and the grave. And if you, the only reason you're not getting that is, is because if you've given your life to Jesus. Or, or you tell yourself, oh, how hard we have worked, I have worked for this. What we, what we have to, to see is that all we have is because how God has blessed us. Now, church, I, I struggle with this one. The lust, the lust of, of the pride and the lifestyle, I, 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 I struggle with this one. Not, not, uh, not only have, uh, not necessarily the, the pride of life, but allowing myself to just have things. I, and it's because of, of, of what I've watched in other preachers' lives. I, I, my first pastor, Amy's grandfather, they, they lived, they always just about lived. The whole time I was dating Amy, they lived in a parsonage. Didn't, didn't have much, didn't only, they went on vacation. Steve, you know where they went on vacation every year? To the Southern Baptist Convention. Y'all ever been to the Southern Baptist Convention? That ain't vacation. It's not. The preaching's good during the pastor's conference, but when you go into session and when you start talking about business, it's not fun. It's really not. There's one guy that everybody in the, in the Southern Baptist Convention knows who he is. I can't call his name because I've only been to the convention three times. Y'all know why? Because it's not fun. It's not. 
If it's close, I might go. It was supposed to be in Orlando this year, and I was planning on going, but I'm not driving to Arizona or, or getting air, you know, tickets to Arizona because it's not fun. But this one guy, every year, this pastor, every single year, Dan, every single year, he sits in his office and tries to come up with some sort of resolution or something to bring before the Southern Baptist Convention to be voted in. Now, I think the majority of it's always been voted down, but, I mean, he, he just wants to be seen, wants to be heard. The, the pride, the, the arrogance. But Amy's grandfather would go on vacation to the Southern Baptist Convention for a week, and then he would drive. It didn't matter if it was in Las Vegas, California, and Amy, when she was growing up, she would go with them <clears throat> in the car. And then the week after, they would just drive around. And I see, that's not vacation to me either. But the one thing, the, the one thing, he drove a Mercedes. A preacher driving a Mercedes. Now, hold on, let me back up. See, there was a man in our church named Junior. He owned a dealership, and it was, he would buy old Mercedes with like 100,000 miles on them. He would soup them up, clean them up, and sell them for, I mean, not even half of what they were. And because Preacher Morrow was his preacher, he would cut Preacher Morrow a great deal. But still, a preacher driving a Mercedes. A lot of people just tore him up over that. Tore him up, ate him up. There were deacons meetings where the deacons said he was prideful for driving a Mercedes that only cost him $5,000. I, I have a problem with things. Amy will tell you, we'll, we'll be shopping or we'll be looking i mean we do it too we'll be sitting bored at the house you want to let's go to bass pro shop well yeah let's go to bass pro shop we hadn't been since yesterday come on let's go <laughs> so we'll just be you know looking around and i'll pick something up i'll pick something up and i'll put it back and she'll say why did you put that back i just i, I can't buy it i just I, I just can't buy it she says you never buy anything for yourself buy it just buy it I mean, I, I still have the shirt that, that I wore the night that I met her in 1987. It's hanging in my closet, and it still fits. I have a problem buying stuff for myself. I do. Church, John does give us some encouragement. Y'all ready? Y'all need some encouragement? He does give us some encouragement that we need, and it's seen in verses 24 through 27. John chapter 2, verse 24 through 27. <clears throat> and it says, What you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. What you've heard from the beginning must remain in you. What did you hear from the beginning? That Jesus is Lord. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and, and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. I have written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Well, this is a political year. Did y'all know that? Have y'all realized that yet? Hey, Sharon, we're going to elect a president this year. Did you know that? 
we have a chance to wipe out the Senate and the Congress of all the people who were in there and elect new people. How many of y'all were, would vote for term limits? I just want to see. Term limits. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, still, I still don't get it. I mean, I'm not a smart man, but how in the world did they, did they pass, pass it that only a, a president can only serve two terms and the people who pass that can serve as many as they want? I don't, I don't get that. I don't get it. We, we live in, in deceptive times. Listen to what verse 26 says. I have written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. You think anybody's trying to deceive us now? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Verse 27. The anointing you receive from him remains in you. Boy, that's good, isn't it? That, that ought to get somebody running. The, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Remain in him. Church, Here's this message in a nutshell. Steve, you said that a few minutes ago. We're not perfect. Some of y'all think you are, but we're not perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to fall. We are going to disappoint, disappoint ourselves and probably disappoint God at times. But Jesus is still the answer. Do, do you hear me? This is what John is saying. Listen, I know what you're going through. It's bad. I, I'm living it right here with you. I, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not in Jerusalem. I'm not with everybody else. I'm writing you this to, to encourage you this. I know how you feel. But listen, Jesus is still the answer. He, he is and he, will, he, he is currently. He is all we need and he is all we will ever need. Miss Desi, Jesus is the answer. I told you all this last week. I don't have a clue what's coming. I don't have a clue what's coming next. I believe that Scripture absolutely teaches us. I really believe that Christ is going to rapture the church before the tribulation. But we have, we have some times coming, church, that we're going to have to live through before the tribulation takes place and before Christ raptures the church. I don't have a clue what's coming. But I know something's coming. And I know it's not good. And I don't say that to, to, to beat you down, so to speak. I, I say it, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Because you've got all that you really need inside of you. And that's Jesus. Do you know my Jesus? Let's all pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that it would encourage us, but God, you would help us to use this same scripture to encourage others who are going to be discouraged in times to come. We know what's coming. Help us to be an encouragement to the world who needs you. Help us to love the way you've loved us. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, will you stand?
This is our invitation. If you need to come and just spend some time with the Lord, will you come? As the music plays, will you come?